Welcome to the ASU Sports Business Podcast. Hi guys, and um, welcome to our latest uh, podcast. I know in the UK, there's been a bit more lockdown rules, but I hope everyone is doing well. Um, and today, um, pleased to, to say that I have um, um, a good friend on the yeah. podcast with us today, um, Dave Wright. Um, formerly the uh, marketing director at SoccerX, but now he's just using his expertise in the sports business market in general, in terms of communication and marketing. Um, no, but it's a pleasure to have you with us today, Dave. How are you? Well, good. Thanks, Gabriel. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to do this. I know we've talked about it um, a few times in the past, you know, so many years I've known you, and it's uh, yeah, so del- delighted to be here and be involved. Brilliant, thanks. Um, and just for everyone listening, I, th- I think for today's episode, we're just going to talk about David's expertise. So firstly, in terms of the events and marketing side of things, from his time at SoccerX and just that whole market in general. And then moving on to the current space, of course, with COVID and the importance or the accelerated importance now of like tech and the whole digital space. So yeah, thanks again, Dave. Um, and I guess just to get straight into it, I mean, for those that don't know SoccerX, I mean, SoccerX is a global brand now. People should know about what they've done and what they continue to do as well. But I guess in terms of that whole sports and events space or events and marketing space, uh, what's the differentiation between the, the companies in that space? Because there's a, quite a few now. And what are the key elements for that the best ones offer? Sure, sure. Um, of course, I, so... so. I was at SoccerX for, for just over a decade, right? So when I, when I started way back in 2008, um, there was a handful of events in the marketplace. You know, there was so, obviously SoccerX, Sportel, we've been going for a while, little while, maybe Sport Accord as well. But um, many of the, the estab- more established events now didn't exist back then. And a kind of, um, you know, and have rose, risen out of perhaps the sort of, the sort of platforms that, that companies like SoccerX laid in those early days in terms of creating um, creating platforms in the industry i think that's the, the, the key point these these events provide platforms for people to come together to to learn to um uh, to engage with with what's with some of the companies that they're in the business but most importantly to network right that's the 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 key driver every bit of research we ever did right the, people, the reason people come to our events is to, is to network to 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 meet old friends to meet and uh, make new friends um and you know there's in terms of the events they they differ in the sense of um you know the focus of the event whether it's multi-sport whether it's sport specific um they differ in terms of um the topic area a lot more you know the kind of the prevalence in terms of the new events was very much based around um the the specific topics was being addressed so whether that's on the media side you know a lot of ott and digital events with stadium specific events or in performance space um and then obviously territory specific you know whether it's events covering the growth of the game in Africa, parts of Africa, in Asia, in, in North America, South America, etc. You know, recently a lot in China, of course, mm-hmm. interest around that market. So, so yeah, there's you know that that's perhaps the way they they, di- they kind of they differ. In many ways, these events share the same basic premise, right? They have to um, they have those conference elements, there's hospitality elements, there's different networking products. But what they're trying to do is making sure they provide, um, you know. The, 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 their offerings meet the, the, the needs of different elements of kind of the industry food chain, right? So making sure you've got, you know, uh, 
content and opportunities that appeal to the brands, that appeal to the administrators, to the clubs and leagues, and different many different suppliers that are out there. Um, obviously, the media as well are a key part of this organisation, right? And this ecosystem all works together, interacts together, but they want different things from these events. So it's about finding events that cover for these different needs. Mm. I mean, I, I want to go into how the whole market um, adjusts to the current climate and stuff. Mm. But I know um, SoccerX in particular, uh, maybe one of the first global brands that went into Africa to host events. So you done one in Joburg, right, around the right, yeah. 2010 World Cup. And then mm. you done one two years later um, mm -hmm. in Lagos, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what was the appetite um, of, you know, SoccerX in Joburg and, and Lagos? And also as well in terms of the focus, because I'm sure you're aware, um, speaking to people on various continents, the focus is slightly different from maybe like a, a me or European perspective mm. compared to the Americas and I'm sure course, yeah. compared to um, Africa. So how did that impact in terms of the content that you guys produced and yeah, just the differences between the markets from your time there? Well, I mean, so South Africa, particularly Joburg was first for us. This is actually before I joined, you know, SoccerX really built a name for itself during its time in Dubai. Yeah, you know, many people thought there was why would they ever want to leave that, right? But um, you know, and again, the uh, the the, uh, the 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 hosting bid for for um, the, the the 2010 World Cup, the guys from from South Africa, from from Safra, etc. They were involved coming to events in um, in Dubai, and they they made a real effort. They 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 they, they made a real case and a plea to bring Socrates across to yeah. to Johannesburg to help with their preparations for the World Cup in 2010. So that was why why we made the move across. Yeah. Um, and obviously the, those events there were very World Cup centric, you know, it was very much about creating a platform for the different host cities across South Africa, um, the different suppliers, the different um, associations and bodies that all the many parts of the industry that come to go make up and deliver a World Cup, right? Still tapping into the other parts, you know, within the uh, domestic game as well and global kind of the key leagues around the world. But a lot, a lot of those events were focused around, say, the World Cups. Um, we we then did events uh, carried on in South Africa. We did we did an event in Durban from 2012 to 2014, and also we did an event in Lagos in in 2012. And um, smaller events. I mean, the the event in Joburg, as I was our big as our big global convention. Yeah, that was around 3,000 attendees. Um, whereas the events in uh, in Durban and Lagos were more in the region of say 500, 750 people. Right. I mean, um, in terms of the, the those events, you say. Uh, I mean, uh, Looking at the Lagos event, for example, this was a this was a bit um, it was a kind of reduced scale concept. We were you know it was very new to the market this time. We had interest. We were working with Lagos State FA, working to kind of bring us across. And you know the event itself was very much around uh, you know, the emerging side of the game and youth development around you know best practice in business structures and um, and yeah really to help the game grow in this market. And um, you know when we got there, we were. Kind of blown away by the enthusiasm and the passion and you know kind of the obsession with football i guess kind of yeah. throughout all the guys there and you know the, the kind of the willingness to kind of grow and you know i think for, i mean the, uh, i always look at this as a number we i think with like two weeks to go we, we were looking around about 200 250 attendees you know in terms of all the outreach kind of people sort of pick up but at the event itself they say we were i think we we're north of 600 people coming to the doors 
and that was even then with this ridiculous ridiculous storm the night before and the morning before like yeah it was crazy i'm not gonna be there i can't remember I think you told me before. I'll um, tell you this event, the event was, I mean, we had so much rain that the, the, you know, the traffic was, went to stands that we, one of our operations team spent the morning of the event mopping out one of the exhibition halls because there was so much water coming in through it. But still the place was packed, right? And we had a, we had a, we had a great event. We had a great attendance for it. So, so yeah, for that, like that one in, in Durban, no, no storms, but at the same time, similar sort of vibe around, yeah. around the kind of the, very much about the emerging side of the game, right? That's more, you know, with with the Durban event, it was touching about a little bit of kind of World Cup legacy and what could be done. But also in this case, um, South Africa were holding the Afcon in 2013, so it was around helping kind of preparation for that as well. So um, they were great events. I kind of enjoyed them, and particularly, you know, we got to to, to to hold multiple events in Durban and build a bit of a legacy. Sadly, with kind of the parts we were working with, we couldn't continue in Lagos. But I mean, I, I was I was impressed with it. I I thought that was one of the one of the places where we had. Kind of real potential to do something you know at a you know, grass like a low level in terms of kind of where the industry is you're not it's not a big elite you know uh, conversations around kind of sponsorship sort of things or you know, kind of progress in that sense but kind of real chance to just kind of help an industry grow in, 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 in a territory no i agree uh, even up speaking to other people that, that were involved in that event they echo the same things that you you've been saying and i guess from what you just said in terms of it was exciting because i guess the markets there were quite in its infancy, in terms of yeah, where it was or the opportunity yeah. to help grow will be good. Um, I guess now, in terms of um, maybe from the outside looking in, how have you maybe witnessed the state of the I don't know like sports business on the continent? Maybe how has it changed from when you were first doing events in Africa in 2010, 2012? Um, I mean, so I haven't the soccer or with other with other areas i haven't actually been doing business directly on the continent for, for a number of years so i wouldn't say my fingers as on the pulse as it was during that kind of early, the early part of of, the, of that decade um but I mean, we did see you know in the events around the world we'd have a contingent from from parts of africa coming to a different event so, you know you see the the guys that are embracing the opportunity that football can present in terms of an industry um and willing to look outside of the borders and you know pick up expertise whether that's the events in the UK or in um, in the Americas for example um so yeah that, that, was, that was a promising indication and look you've seen you know if I think back to um the time we were doing you know when we, when we were holding the events um in, in Africa now and you think that you know you've got um you have the likes of Rwanda and Mauritius sponsoring Premier League teams right and teams in Liga and so you know this this, this kind of putting themselves in the mix within the kind of global football kind of community, right? And using that platform to go as a, as a way to grow their their tourism revenues. You know, I think that that, that shows the kind of there's a real there's an appetite to be be involved with it and kind of see how it can be developed. And I think also actually inbound wise, I think many of the kind of the big you know the big leagues recognise the potential within within different parts of Africa for, as a fan base, right? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very young, you know, across the continent, it's a young population. There's, there's a high mobile penetration. There's, yeah. um, you know, there's a great opportunity to engage with fans through digital channels that that are out there, right? And you know, I know that obviously, you know, from friends of the Premier League who are constantly doing events out, you know, out there trying to engage the fan base. Is La Liga doing the same, right? So. There's there's opportunities there, sort of floating around it. But say in terms of being there to get my finger on the pulse, and I guess within the domestic market itself, how are the domestic clubs and teams and FAs operating? Uh, yeah, it's a bit, a bit harder to say, but the potential's still there, right? I think if if um, 
you know, if the government, the right levels of governance are in place, the right level of professionalism is, is, is put in place, then there's an appetite with from the fans to 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 follow the game and to follow sport in general, right? Because it's not just football. There's other other areas. You know, I come like speaking to guys in the basketball side of things, and the kind of the basketball Africa League. That you know, the fact that NBA are partnering with rival, but you know, the kind of FIBA as an organisation to to set this up, they see a huge potential and a huge pop, you know, the popularity of sport. Um, if that's there, then there's the potential for an industry to be there too. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I guess, generally speaking, regarding the events and marketing space, right? Um, I guess for future events, it's definitely different now. But how <clears throat> how has this actually impacted those organisations in that space in terms of their marketing strategies to yeah for these events? Um, it's very tricky, right? You know, there's suddenly what an event looks like has been turned upside down you know as, as i mentioned at the start look, these events you know the concepts of business events within the sports industry yeah. are about coming together about networking you know they involve they involve international travel they involve sport and they involve face-to-face meetings right and all those things were shut down because of lockdown you know and in many places they are still shut down but i think they've you know and again, this is a lot of this happened outside of my time at Soccer X and, you know, I'd left, I'd left before the world fell in on itself. Um, but, you know, you've seen these companies pivot very quickly and you had to deliver digital events and try and put something in place, which lets them, um, you know, they still, I said, I mentioned beforehand the, the, the different kind of key players within the industry and those needs they have from the events, right? So how do you now meet those needs digitally? You know, how do you, give the media a chance to to speak to the kind of to get sound bites from the key people in the game how do you give suppliers a chance to put themselves in front of rights holders how do you give the rights holders what they want in terms of the networking opportunities or the 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 opportunities for personal promotion in often we you know you look at the, the, the club execs and people who want to speak you know it's quite it's quite a incestuous world that space right a lot of guys move from club to club to club and onto pieces so they they, they like these platforms and there's a chance to kind of promote themselves as well as the kind of the business of the club and tell their story so how do you keep providing that within but doing that um uh, remotely and obviously through, through the uh, digital channels that are available yeah yeah it's yeah i mean it's going to be everyone has to adjust digitally as mm. you mentioned because that is for the foreseeable future, that's that's the only way things are going to be running. Um, but it, I think so. I'd also, it's a chance, a time to innovate, right? That's the big thing now. You force when you when you're faced with these challenges, yeah, some will, will, will look at them, they'll shrink, but they'll shrink away and die because they they can't can't meet the challenges. The guys that kind of get who, who move on and succeed will be the ones that try to find new ways to solve these problems. You know, how can you innovate and create? How do you find a way of connecting with people digitally? You know, it's you know, obviously face to face meeting is key, and it was not, you know, I don't believe this is the end of that we're doing, but how do you how do you offer alternatives? How do you find a way to connect people? Because the people, the businesses that, that want to cut that, that pay for to come to these events and be part of these events, um, they they are looking for the opportunity to grow their business in sport. So, how do you keep giving them that opportunity to grow their business in sport? Yeah, and um, this might be. Because I also think as well in terms of how much, maybe looking at, looking at it from the other side of the coin, just how much the different, different um, areas of the sports ecosystem, as you mentioned, like media, how much themselves need these sports events companies to be innovative because they need to, I don't know, find new partners, find new opportunities, right? So I guess it's, it has like a domino effect in terms of the innovation and the way yeah. it has. 
I think also the, I mean, the challenge for the events companies is to make them keep themselves relevant, right? Because the big thing with the digital transformation is it creates de- direct um, lines of communication. It creates, it creates direct conversations, you know. Does, you know, uh, press would come, you'd have media partners and press would come to the event and cover it because they knew the opportunity to speak to the key stakeholders in the industry, right? If everyone's at home and they need to go to an event, they can just eat, they can contact them direct, right? So they don't need to go into that platform. That 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 those, those speakers can have their own press conference or press events to put their messages out. They don't need the stage that an event can provide. So it's how do you still keep that key? How do you how do you harness the people that that, that you need to come to an event and provide that experience around sharing their expertise, sharing their their uh, their, their insight into different different mm. topics. But how do you keep that? How do you how do you continue to offer that when say there are um, new direct ways to kind of to access it through different channels. No, you're right. Um, so I guess in terms of um, this whole dig- dig- digitalization, of the, <laughs> you say. Yeah, digitalization of the market, um, how does that look like from a uh, sports events perspective, right? And I mean, what can people do to be at the forefront to, yeah, to be, to ensure that when things do pick up there, they're at a right place and not behind. Cause I think, in, in this time now, I know various organizations had maybe their um, USPs or advantages, but it's now like everyone's at a level playing field in terms of, okay, yeah. you, I know you have your, your network and your partners, but from a like um, process perspective, mm-hmm. now it's from everyone's at um, square one again, you know, starting from yeah. the beginning. So how does I that change that? Forward? Um, I must say, I speak as a guy still in the industry in the space, right? And you know, and someone raised an interesting point. That actually, you know, by doing events online, you you kind of dramatically reduce the barrier to entry to attendance, yeah. right? You know, and suddenly there's not a question of getting on a plane or flying mm-hmm. somewhere or fitting into your schedule. You have the time because you're locked in, locked down, and go anywhere. You've also got, um, you know, you can attract people from all over the globe. Everyone, everyone has an internet can, internet access can, can, can dial into the session. So you, 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 the opportunities there is to create a much larger audience kind of for these things and a more globally diverse audience, you know, it's kind of in terms of the content you're going to put out there. Um, and then within that to then, you know, perhaps alter the, the business model. Maybe it's more around kind of the sponsorship offerings, you know, the value you can offer to people through the audience that you can attract to these pieces. I mean, there are challenges, but I think massively within, you know, if you go to an event, you're there, you're, you're within the confines of four walls, yeah. you're there to go to an event. If you're watching an event dialed in from your kitchen table and suddenly else the doorbell rings and Amazon comes or whatever, it's the, the opportunity for distraction feels, feels yeah. greater, right? And so there are challenges to keep people engaged in the streams and keep people in there, but I think you, there is that potential to create a bigger and more, I say, globally diverse audience coming to these events going forward. And I think back to the point where it's going to be about innovation. It's going to be about people who can create new ways to, um, to, 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 serve, to, to keep the, keep people engaged with these events and offer thing, offer the same values around, you know, top say delivering insight and content that can be done. Right. We've seen some, I've seen some fantastic kind of panels and, um, speeches and discussions that are presented digitally and you know, in some cases events event companies have managed to get speakers that perhaps they wouldn't have got normally because they're, they're, these, 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 these speakers aren't traveling the world on various you know um, private planes and important engagements that they're at home and they, and they, they can be can be involved right um, so yeah it's about how do you 
the content parts kind of is is there but there's other there's where what other how could you provide more content than you would do normally digital digital you know digital channels give you the opportunity to do things you can't in a physical space yeah. and also i guess in some ways as well as a the event company to better track the kind of engagement of with those channels and get a better understanding of the interaction of the audience what they want and hopefully grow the product from there going forward but um yeah it's it's gonna it's a very challenging time ahead for every event anyone in the event space but you know within the com yeah, in the conference industry particularly but with within the sports sector you know it's about um continuing to rise to the challenge right and keep keep looking to innovate i mean i have just slightly going back actually in terms of um i think you mentioned and anyway, i'm going to ask about engagement um yeah how would i mean how would people now try to post the events right because i guess and i know speaking for me from your time in Socrates and maybe in other sport organizations is about okay it's great we've got so-and-so come to the event, but then the, the follow-up and the engagement after that, how does that look like? And um, yeah, how, did, how does that look like in terms to get people, because I know, for example, maybe data pieces to keep people informed of what's going on, your newsletters, are those like the only ways or what, what are the ideas? Uh, if I keep, keep keeping it, um, well, I mean, it depends, right? There's, there's the, the engagement following an event. So if you're an event, there'll be a networking app or platform yeah. which you can see who's attending and yeah. they stay stay open post event and you speak to people there they're in use for months afterwards you are still people connecting with the individual contacts they've made but if you're i think again you know if you're if you're if you're purely an events company you're going to die in this current world that's not going to happen right even but a lot most you know soccer actually had changed that and during my time which is more around kind of content and insight pieces you know we we, we made sure we supplement our offering because if you're just an events company you have you know nine twelve days tops of, of actual kind of physical interaction with clients a year right which is not not enough so you need other things to supplement that you know other ways to provide value and um you know things that can be commercialized from the sales team but also things that kind of keep you front and center within the market and provide insight and keep you relevant within the kind of the, the broader conversation yeah. um but you know that's still relevant now you can still a lot of those products are kind of created and can be distributed digitally so that you know there's how do you keep doing that how do you keep engaging because at the end of the day it's those these having this sort of digital you know, assets if you like that you can, can be that they, they can put a commercial value to and allows you to kind of increase your portfolio of of, of, of you know of, of things that can be sold within the business yeah. it's not just event tickets and sponsorship everything else there's other assets that you can you can have within your armory yeah now it's good to get the uh, the thoughts of an expert in this area um but we'll take a little break now and then when we come back we'll talk more about um tech and how things will look like in sports in the future Hi guys, thanks for tuning into our latest podcast. Help us spread the word by subscribing, liking and sharing our content across all social platforms at ASUnified and use the hashtag ASUPod to join the conversation. Please do give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice and if you have any topics you'd like us to discuss, people you'd like to see join us on the podcast, or simply to stay in touch, send us an email to info at asianified.com. Hi guys and welcome back. Um, hope you've enjoyed the uh, first part as much as I did. 
So yeah, to start the second half now, we're going to talk more about, you know, digital transformation, how much that is going to be on the cusp of um, people's lips in the sports industry now and the importance of tech. Um, but I guess we'll start from the basis. Um, we're just talking now, David, about uh, the PwC Sports Survey 2020 um, and a few observations you, you found in that and how that can play a part moving forward. Yeah, sure. I mean, you say the, the, the survey that's come out this week, um, yeah, obviously, understandably, a big focus of it is around the impact of COVID and yeah. how that will, will slow the growth across many areas of, of the industry. Um, but it's also highlights fundamentally that, that um, it, it's, digit, it's through digital that, you know, that, that the greatest opportunities will present themselves. You know, I think they, they, they looked at and they surveyed people's opinions around you know, where the biggest opportunities for revenue growth in the sports industry. And at the top of that part of that was looking at the digital fan experience, looking at how you can create new experiences digitally. Um, and then a very close second was looking at the, 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 the creation and monetization, excuse me to say, of, um, of new digital assets, right? You know, understanding your, better understanding your, um, your uh, your own digital footprint how your fans around the world engage with you through the different um, digital channels you have whether they're your own proprietary channels or through social media or, or other spaces um, and then understanding how you can best serve content and, and use the data with through those to, to meet the needs of the fans in those different areas and then with at the same time package up groups of assets which can which are then can be fully monetized with the different brands and partners you're working with so you know I think COVID has rapidly accelerated our, our adoption of di an understanding of digital and our, and our willingness to embrace the role that, that, that technology can play in, in all aspects of our lives right you know we I think in many quarters you know we've we've leapt for you know what would, what would have taken five years we've done in five months or less because of the restrictions placed upon us and yeah. I think it's you know um, the people I'm speaking to and the, the kind of companies I've been talking um, you know, um, talking to that it's you know it's the willingness to adapt and and to um, embrace these new opportunities and to realize the kind of power that that digital has um and then the need to kind of think more you know be more digitally centered as a business from the, the whole structure of your kind of um you know the corporate structure to your planning how does digital fit into that so digital transformation isn't a new term it's been around for a number of years a lot of businesses are kind of along far along the curve but i think it's going to thrust itself into the kind of narrative of every every company going forward no, I, I agree. So first, I mean, let's talk about one aspect, um, first of all, the uh, democratization, right? Hey, you got it. <laughs> I'm glad you'll say that, not me. Um, um, yeah, democratization of sports, um, generally, but especially regarding, um, you know, maybe like an African context, right, in terms of, for example, yeah. having big yeah. and being more local with that. Sure, sure. No, I thought, it's, I, think, I think it's a very interesting sort of side effect, you say, whereas obviously digital and tech can help businesses to generate revenues what it you know so you're providing money and kind of not just the top end but across across the scale really it creates an opportunity to kind of to level the playing field a bit more you know i mean it's one space i've been looking at um is kind of the area around you know um ai or remote um uh, video production and distribution right you know if you've got you know companies out there that can can uh, with two cameras and a and a, and a, and a, and a server do the job of a 20 man production team right so suddenly you've got you've slashed your production costs and they can you know through 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 this bit of kit you've suddenly got um broadcast quality 
um, sports, you know, and then so that's let's say you're a you're playing in a kind of lower non-league um, team in, in in Ghana, right? And then suddenly, you know, previously there's an opportunity now through this through this kit. You know, but if if more of this, um, you know, the cost of bringing it in become become relevant. If there's you know if, if more games are seen, then there's more opportunity for fans to engage with the sport. So if your brand's more in chance to kind of li- to engage with these local um, you know these local interests around these teams, but in particular if you're if you're a player in those leagues. Previously, you'd have no chance of being seen by anybody. Maybe a local scout gets wood and comes down. Now, through games being streamed via uh, the club's site on Facebook, they've probably got they could probably reach more people than they would ever dreamed to, to do otherwise. So suddenly, these people, are players, are being seen. Now, at the same time, these companies that are filming them, they're recording the data on the players. They know how far they've run. They know how fast they've run. They know how many goals they've scored, etc. So you're getting a picture around you know, guys. The same sort of profiling that kind of top clubs do with the scouts and their players is available. Uh, you know, lower level football or anywhere around the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, this can suddenly mean that you, young guys get the opportunity. So, guys and girls get the opportunity to to be seen and uh, and maybe get their big break in the game. No, you're right. It it really does um create opportunities and open opens up doors for people, right? As you as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is real innovation though. In terms of yeah, someone could be playing basketball, playing football, and just compete yeah. against uh, uh you know the the requirements, you know, for them to yeah, yeah. be attractive to organisations and clubs. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's fascinating. Right? They kind of say, I mean, I remember for the events, the um, the ex Liverpool player Craig Johnson, right? We used to come oh, to yeah, our yeah, events. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, was a wonderful guy and real innovate. I mean, he's the guy who invented the predator boots and, yeah. and you know, tons of other stuff he's done. He was talking about this idea, this fantastic idea to create like um a par a par score for football so like use an ability you'd have a ranking with each footballer would have their own abilities to what, what's par in terms of you know yeah. your, your different skill sets and it seems now companies already have got to this point right you can there are apps out there that you can that will um have a benchmark set and then you can record your own you know record your performance against a set of a certain set of training exercises and then through machine learning this app will um Will compare your your performance against the performance of their benchmark to give you a scoring, and that can then alert the clubs or the federations that signed up to it. Actually, the same one. There's a guy. There was um within this. I think the company's called AI Scout. They they, they uh well, reading about their bio. They had a uh, a guy. I think it things from somewhere in, somewhere in the UK, London maybe. I think um he was scouted by the Sri Lankan Football Federation. His Sri Lankan heritage. He provided this app. He recorded his performance, and he's played for the Sri Lankan national team. Wow. Because of this app, right? Just say to create the opportunity. I mean, you think about the you know, the, the African diaspora um, uh, all across, particularly in someone like the UK, right? There could be tons of guys, guys and girls that have you know real quality players, but it never gets the attention of kind of um, federations, um, uh, uh, you know, which which they could be eligible for. So, you know, it could have a huge opportunity for a lot of a lot, a lot of sports people. Um, yeah, not just in the UK, but around the world. No, you're right. And I guess another area is maybe looking at the same or similar aspect, but regarding to um, media and um, what was it, broadcast solutions, right? Using AI. AI. Yeah, it's, it's just the same sort of thing, right? You know, if you suddenly become, if you're the costs you would put into producing the live match action, you slash because of these solutions more money can be invested in other areas of production you do more more cameras doing behind the scenes footage more pitch side stuff more you know you, you can kind of expand you know this is not i don't think um in some of the lower you know kind of 
lower lower league, lower level support, this this provides a solution that would, that would you know it's like this on you know it fills a gap, nothing there at all, right? Whereas for kind of the broadcasters, this sort of technology can massively save costs, but also supplement what they're going to do, and then to expand and invest in resources in other areas, right? And think about how to they can improve their overall production with this as part of their armory. Mm, no, you're right. Um, and even from, I don't know, maybe from a business perspective in terms of, because obviously now with COVID, um, things mm. have impacted finances as well. So I guess in terms of wanting to make investments using tech and AI as solutions as actual business evaluation to help people even more so now to mm -hmm. make them make better decisions about where to invest their money, which is so important now as well. Yeah, completely right. I mean, I think, I mean, with the, the investment side of things, it's interesting because you see more. Um, I mean, I'd say this is a slight tangent, but it's interesting. I was reading stuff around, you think about um, like the, the state of the football league, and they're, they're just, you know, in below the championship, they put in wage um, wage caps and they talk about the championships. And you think, crikey, you know, these clubs are struggling. Obviously, undoubtedly, because of the situation with COVID, real struggles financially. But in many cases, this is making them more appealing for investment from particularly the big US driven private equity firms, et cetera, because with these, the, the tighter financial regulations mean there's, there's more con, more control and there's more less likely than being, things got spiraling out of control in terms of debts, et cetera. So um, I think that's been making it more appealing. And yeah, there's obviously different tools to, to evaluate that, but it's really a kind of the, the more that, um, the tech that's out there lets you understand the nature of your business. The more you, the more data that's being collected, the more you understand, get a better picture and analyze kind of um, the best way forward with that in terms of what you invest in, whether where you spend your your, your marketing dollar, um, which players you invest in, of course, there's a big thing as well. You know? So, so yeah, I think it's um, the use of the, the way in which the combination of, you know, remote video, production and broadcasting aspects of it combined with a data angle as well in particular and the more you can understand the um the performance of your on pitch assets and your off the pitch assets as well and the more you can understand those the better better you can kind of look to you know get them get the most out of them make better decisions um, th this is quite subjective but i know we're talking about tech and tech is covers all areas of the sport and ecosystem right but where would you or where would you envisage a greater investment in tech um, involved in the sports industry? Could it be media? Could it be data analytics, as you mentioned about? Could it be, or as what um, PwC showed in their survey, uh, investing into digital experience and monetizing from that? Where would you see that or in, in your opinion? Um, it's about the whole digital ecosystem, right? I think people are going to be investing in, you say, whether it's in the actual capturing the content, whether it's in then uh, the actual um, the, from the video perspective, whether it's the kind of the the uh, data analysis side of things, and it's kind of the, uh, the technology which allows you to map what fans do, map what players do, whether it's the um, uh, the ability then to deliver to those. The, the uh, distribution aspect is key, right? You know, whether it's um, delivering via just you know, the crisis of tools now, where you you, know, you film. You, know, you can film a game and you can see highlights posted on social within you know, seconds of it happening and clipped up, clipped highlights with pre-roll advertising, with messaging around it within seconds, right? We, I think the, the, the thing is, 
technology has changed our expectations as consumers as people we we think we we want everything yesterday we want it you know the immediacy is so important now and for a long time different industries have struggled with that and different parts of the industry have struggled with that and you know the more we embrace the, the technology's ability for, for us to meet this demand for immediacy um and the investment will, will continue to see investment when the different parts of the, the whole digital ecosystem yeah um and just touching off of that i think i saw recently you mentioned about you know private equity firms um i forgot the club now but it's a low league club in england but they are in discussions with i don't know a takeover or some sort of investment. and one of the investors is ryan reynolds uh, Wrexham, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Wrexham, yeah, yeah. Do you see more of that um, happening now? Because I know, for example, with SoccerX, you had your, well, when I was involved in Manchester, but you had your event in the States as well. And there's always mm-hmm. huge talk about um, private equity investment, um, yeah. in sporting um, entities and assets globally. Mm-hmm. But would you see more of that happening now, especially in the time of COVID? Uh, private yeah, I think, so. I think so. I think that was... Yeah, I think again, that's hard to in the PwC PwC reports where they talk about kind of the trend for increased private equity. But the more that um, you say, these guys are smart cookies, right? They know where to invest. They, they, you know, yeah. some people invest. In the old days, you invest in football if it was your local team and you're a bit bonkers and you're a bit and you have more money than sense, right? Whereas these days, there are guys who know how to, you know, um, a lot of guys in the US in particular, but kind of around the world, guys who know how to set up a sporting franchise and to make a return on that investment, whether it's a long-term investment or a short-term investment that's going to be flipped and then moved on. But um, yeah, I think the in the, as we go into the new age, the more that you say cost controls are put in place, the more there are kind of measures around, um, you know, the, what clubs spend and the kind of the, 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 how they can behave. And the more these new revenue streams open up, right? Because the key thing now is like, see, I'm say thinking football again, football is my, my prime, my primary sport, but obviously this, this is true across my, um, all sports fundamentally, but football in particular now clubs, they're not clubs, they're content providers. They are the media businesses. They're, they are producing content that can be monetized to the different streams available to them, whether it's TV or social media or digital, et cetera. And, you know, you see from Tottenham's thing, uh, Tottenham or Man City's documentaries on Amazon, mm-hmm. or Juventus is one on you know, Netflix, whatever else. So yeah, these, these guys are thinking outside the box now in terms of how they can produce content that fans want to consume. You know, it's behind the scenes stuff. Matt, you know, Christ, think about, you know, the amount of 90 minute matches you watch these days, you know, you, it's, it's certainly for my side, I think that's decreed. I'm a Chelsea fan for my sins and I'll sit there and I'll, I'll, I'll get sit through, I'll sit through 90 minutes of that. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I used to watch a lot more football. Now it's, you know, bite-sized highlights, goals, what so-and-so said, what's happening in training sort of thing. You, 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 you're looking for different ways to consume the game. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think there's, um, uh, the way in which we our experience of football is changing and these guys within the within the industry know understand that and they with these different touch points for the people and where they're being consumed there are different opportunities to, to make money and that's why we're attracting investment no um those are my you know final thoughts on the questions but david thanks for your thanks for your time it's been insightful um just know about your experience more and just you know the future of sports and i guess Let's see where we are in another three to five years, right? How the sports yeah, looks like, because it's going to be different, isn't it? Hundred percent, right? I mean, yeah, I think the limits. Let's see where we are in, let's say, 12, 18 months. I mean, that's where we hopefully all this, yeah, the the the, the restrictions have gone. We've COVID's a 
uh, and a dis unpleasant distant memory and we kind of we're getting back to something like normality and yeah i think the injury's going to suffer for a bit but i'm sure it'll bounce back stronger actually i said those are my final thoughts i actually have one question just based on what you ah, said okay in particular in terms of um like sports events do you ever see it i mean i know eventually doors will be open for events or whatnot but do you ever see us maybe going back to big events having that capacity to do so or how would you how do you see it um, looking like would there be a lot more of these digital online events now coupled with events be about a smaller scale you mean from the business perspective events yeah that's correct yeah um i think it's i think it depends how quickly we can we get back to some sense of normal because you know once whether it's through a, a vaccine or a change in outlook to, to what's going on and we said okay you know what things are different now we can move forward and we we get back to having lot more live sport with fans and we get back to more gatherings and other social settings and we start thinking, well, okay, maybe I can get on the, I, I can get on a plane to go to a different event around the world, different parts around the world. Cause you know, in, in terms of the growth of the industry, international markets are key to that. You know, there's a lot of clubs um, uh, are, see the local the domestic fan base or local fan base is key to them but international area for growth and it's that's the same across the board so these these sort of events and these opportunities will continue to be relevant and nothing's going to beat the opportunity to look someone in the eye and you know shake their hand without having to di disinfect it before and after right that's the that's that that's where we need to get it back to where we can have regular human interactions and develop friendships and, and bonds which lets you um you know, but create partnerships and opportunities and are going to move the industry forward again. So, yeah, I can see a day when we, when we get there. As to when it is, I think that's, you know, it's, that's, you know hopefully it's sooner rather than later, but we'll yeah. see. No, okay, those are my final words now, I promise. <laughs> but okay. um, thanks, David. Thanks for everyone listening as well. Um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have and we look forward to having you at the ne next podcast. So take care and thanks. Thanks a lot. Take care. Yeah.